like it's been thrilling. I started in, in January this year. I had a good six weeks uh, before coronavirus came mm-hmm. along where um, I was getting out and meeting lots of people. And it was always exciting to see what great, passionate, intelligent, brilliant people are out there doing wonderful things for the wider community and, and using social enterprise to create a, a better future. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 213 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing in the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Nick Beginnis. Nicholas Beginnis is the inaugural CEO of the Social Enterprise Network of Victoria, or SENVIC, the statewide network of social enterprise practitioners that aims to build a thriving social enterprise community in Victoria. Nick is an innovative, energetic, and strategic executive with a proven track record of successfully leading and managing dynamic workforces across public, private, and community sector in Victoria and the UK. Nick thrives in cross-sector collaborations and brings over 20 years experience in the independent arts sector, not-for-profits, and small social enterprises. For the past seven years, Nick has served on the board of Melbourne Fringe, the city's most vibrant and culturally democratic 2.5 weeks of the year. He was deputy chair during a four-year period of extraordinary growth and expansion, including the establishment of a new social enterprise, Common Rooms, at Trades Hall in Carlton. Nick describes common rooms as a space where uncommon people belong. Nick holds a Master in Public Policy and Management and Bachelor of Law and Arts from the University of Melbourne, and in 2018 completed the Executive Fellows Program with the Australia and New Zealand School of Government. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Nick's insights into the social enterprise sector in Victoria and more broadly across Australia, and we'll hear how Victorian social enterprises have been responding to COVID-19. So Nick, it's an absolute pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you. So to kick things off then, Nick, I'm really curious to hear a little bit more about your background and what led you to your passion in social enterprise. Yeah, I've been connected to social enterprise my whole life and I feel very deeply it's where I belong. You know, when I reflect on social enterprise, I connect immediately to the Greek community of Melbourne. It it wouldn't have thrived in Australia without social enterprise. Mm. It created safe spaces for learning and belonging and culture and financial independence. And I suppose from there, professionally, I've always been values-driven and I'm comfortable with complexity. You know, the very things that social enterprises love to tackle. I enjoy exploring ideas and and love cross-sector collaborations. Mm. For the past 10 years, I've run innovative projects in the Victorian state government and they've involved tools that are those tools that are common to social enterprise. Yeah. 
So and like many in the social enterprise community, I've always had side hustle. Mm-hmm. I've been a musician, a composer, an actor, and I've been pretty active in the independent arts community in Melbourne. Yeah. So as you said in the introduction, I've been deputy chair of Melbourne Fringe for many years and it's it's a wonderful community that is very much aligned with social enterprise and the yeah. values that, that it embodies. Mm. It's creative community, micro to medium organisations that put on over 400 events to an audience of over 250,000 every year yeah. in Melbourne and it, it's it's all about cultural democracy, about inclusion, innovation and creativity. And I suppose, you know, that's been an important part of my life for the last few years. Mm. And, you know, it was exciting for us to launch the Social Enterprise Common Rooms recently. Yeah. And, I, and that, was, that was my first real, I suppose, the closest contact to social enterprise in the form that usually captures people's imaginations. But I'm very much linked to those origins in terms of, you know, my Greek culture and understanding that community development is a is a really key part of what social enterprises do. Mm, yeah. And uh, look, my last thing is really, I think last year was a real turning point for me. And that, that re- relates to Greta Thunberg and the sense that when I heard her speak, she was speaking for my children. Mm. And, you know, I've got three kids that are younger than 10 and you know what she what she highlighted in raw childish ways was that our economic thinking for the past 50 years has just not has just had it wrong yeah. like it's not valued things that really matter mm. like the finite natural resources we have on this planet yeah you know the fact that we have a circular economy and that you know the economic approach of the last 50 years has just permitted exploitation and and destruction for short-term profits Mm. and i think hearing greta speak just chilled me in terms of what my kids will be saying about us as they grow up as they take control of of our community that a sense that if i don't do something if 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 we don't collectively start working together to redesigning our world we will have failed our kids and and i think that certainly was a big motivation for me to look for something different and you know i was really fortunate to that i suppose senvik was emerging at that time yeah <laughs> i think you're absolutely right and you know greta has obviously made a huge impact with her work and and activism and then more recently as well a lot of these points have really been accentuated with COVID-19 you know when we look at the, yeah. the localization of economies and the importance of that so you play a really important role as CEO at the Social Enterprise Network of Victoria or Senvic so please just tell us a little bit more about the history of Senvic Nick and what are the key aims what are you guys doing down there? So Senvik, it began as an alliance between its its founding members. I think it formed in early 2018 and it, it really brought together nine leaders from Victoria's longest standing and influential social enterprises. So, you know, we're talking about the Australian Centre of Rural Entrepreneurship, ACRE, we've got Ceres, Community Grocer, Gain Traffic and Contracting, Good Cycles, Green Collect, 100-Storey Building, Street, and Social Traders. So really, you know, it's a who's who of some of the great success stories from the social enterprise community in Victoria. 
And these pioneers could see that the experience of, uh, from overseas of successful, thriving social enterprise community is to have a really powerful network that brings people together so they can learn from each other, so you can build a collective knowledge and wisdom. And through that, you know, a voice, uh, advocacy and influential voice for the sector so that, you know, we can take those important next steps in terms of the wider economy and community. Mm. So what it, you know, they got together in mid-2018. It was not until I think just last year that the Victorian government got behind it to really accelerate that role that the network um, was to play. The Victorian government has also showed leadership not only in supporting the the network but also with the social enterprise strategy that it developed in 2017, social procurement framework. So really that CENVIC is part of that process of kick-starting the the community down here in Victoria. And like it's been thrilling. I started in, in January this year. I had a good six weeks uh, before coronavirus came mm-hmm. along where um, I was getting out and meeting lots of people and it was always exciting to see what great, passionate, intelligent, brilliant people are out there doing wonderful things for the wider community and, and using social enterprise to create a, a better future. Yeah, absolutely. So then how have you seen social enterprises in Victoria react to this rapidly changing world that's responding to COVID-19? Because you're in quite a unique viewpoint that you you speak to a lot of different social enterprises down there. So what sort of support do you believe these social enterprises critically need right now and moving into the future if we create some sort of systemic change? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And the answer's static it's you know broadly i suppose there's been two speeds in terms of what social enterprises have experienced there are there are those that are accelerating because of those pre-existing products and services there are also those that have pivoted or have been able to catch the new demand that has come from these new social isolation for example the social studio in collingwood has gone from making original you know, ethical clothing to mass production of healthcare scrubs, which has mm. been absolutely fantastic. And the you know the other the other tier of the of the sector is those that have you know slipped down many years or have had to lose you know many good people and are moving at a slow pace. Perhaps they're sustained by JobKeeper and other government supports for now, but there is there is certainly a lot of pain and tears in the community mm. and, you know, those that are struggling as many other small businesses are. Yeah. So in terms of support, the point to make is that the market didn't wait. You know, the contraction in market activity was swift and businesses were scaling down and making big decisions that impacted many people yeah. faster than government support was being designed. So there now is welcome support in place, but the scramble highlighted a lack of vision and understanding of social enterprise in Australia. It highlighted the lack of the intellectual gap when you don't have a national social enterprise strategy. Mm. So philanthropy and some mainstream businesses are now, you know, supporting professional development and capacity building, and, and this is certainly vital and it's welcome. But there are some basics that are still lacking, you know. I've mentioned the strategy, expansion of diversity of financial tools, more favourable options for social enterprise to recognise that they return social and environmental dividends. There's much more sophistication that's needed in how we value social enterprise so that we can break the dependence on philanthropy and government that many experience when they're starting off. Yeah. 
So right now, um, it's as I said, it's not static. I think the question right now is what's going to happen after September when JobKeeper mm. ends yeah. and other supports are spent? Is that when Centrelink queues are going to return? You know, what, what's the long-term plan? Yeah. This is where we, we need to think differently and this is where social enterprise should be vocal. Paul Roma is the 2018 winner of the Nobel Prize in Economics and he says that economic growth springs from better recipes, not just from more cooking. Mm. And, and that's that creativity, the new ideas of social enterprise that they thrive, that's the pathway. That's that's the we should be role modeling the way the new economy should be built, yeah. the way that we collaborate, the way that we form alliances across sectors, the way we build communities, being inclusive, having values that are about enabling people to find employment and and the way we harness volunteers. That's the future. Those should be the settings that should be shaping the future economy. Yeah. So while it's all turmoil and a mess <laughs> right now, we've had bushfires over the summer, we've got the virus now, there's so much to, you know, so many negative forces that play on our mental health and well-being. So with all that, there is still that shining light that we are in the right community. This social enterprise community are the ones that if we activate our creativity, if we collaborate, we can show the way through this dark period and help to build a, a stronger, wider community. I, I, I believe that deeply. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, certainly agree with you on that there, Nick. You had some fantastic insights there. I mean, you've pointed to a range of uh, different areas that we lack or should explore further as a nation, such as a, a national social enterprise strategy. And you know, certainly that aligns very strongly with the work that Impact Boom's been seeking to achieve over the last couple of years. Yeah. So, so really, really keen to hear a bit more about these points. Like, where do you see these strong opportunities for the social enterprise sector in Australia? And what do you believe is needed to build on the current momentum? Because we are seeing the formation of these different state-based networks, or we have over the last 12 odd months we're seeing work towards an alliance uh, really keen to hear your thoughts yeah i think these are great we're seeing some really great trends recently the challenge is to help that wave get bigger and to consolidate that momentum so that we can take some giant steps and certainly want to use my role to to do that as much as possible i think in terms of strong opportunities i think we are seeing greater engagement by government uh, in creating clear platforms to support the growth and, and open new markets for social enterprise. Yeah. There is much more that can and should be done, of course. So I, with the emergence of the National Alliance of Social Enterprise Networks, you know, that has been widely celebrated and for very good reason. It's very exciting to be part of that group. They're fantastic people. I love every time we get together, which has been very regular <laughs> recently. Yeah. In fact, we're meeting fortnightly at the moment and there's like subgroups meeting, you know, in between then because mm. there are many projects and things that we want to start progressing We've seen the Good to Scap campaign, which was in response to the coronavirus. Yep. And now we're talking about designing a consumer campaign to harness favourable consumer trends mm. and expand social enterprise markets. I'm keen to use the National Alliance to advocate for a national social enterprise strategy to get better data on the impact that we make, which will help us individually and collectively. Yeah seek favourable government support, but also finance and philanthropic support. Data is so important right now. And, and part of that also is doing a proper 
social enterprise census so that we can identify who we are and we can show how important we are to the wider economy and community. Mm. Look, I think one thing that is dear to me and, and I've observed is I've seen a growing awareness that social enterprise has been a very white conversation to date. Yeah. And in our tricultural nation, we are held back when we don't harness our diversity. Yeah. So yeah. new Such immigrants have used social enterprise for generations to settle in Australia, to yeah. empower family and friends and refugees and other new arrivals to build you know, thriving communities here. And our first peoples have been practising self-determination through social enterprise for thousands of years. Yeah. You can look at local community-run organisations or looking back to the Gundijmara people at Lake Condor in Western Victoria who used to farm eels and, and trade with local, with neighbouring communities. You know, it's, it's got a, we have a long history here in Australia and there's yeah. a story still to be told about that. And I think telling that story will only empower us to get the recognition we ought to get from those who design policy settings and investment. And in this way, social enterprise has an important role in a much bigger conversation about shaping the economy and, and our national identity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned policy and the Victorian state government has what would be considered a globally as a quite a, a strong social procurement policy that was released oh, roughly 18 months or two years ago now. So how do you believe government might best support impact-led businesses in general, Nick? We're really fortunate in Victoria. We've had some great leadership from the Victorian government. It has been three years since the social enterprise strategy was put out by the Victorian government and I'm keen this year to engage our community to discuss what might be a revised social enterprise strategy, Mm. perhaps a 10-year plan, something that is breaking open the the sky in terms of possibilities of what will create a thriving social enterprise sector. Mm. That is looking at the social procurement framework for sure and saying what's the next step? How do we get local governments engaged with it more fully? How do we actually use local government to connect with local businesses and role model best practice when it comes to revising supply change and ethical and environmental outcome as part of decision making for social procurement Mm. it's you know i I think we have to start local that's where we can make the biggest difference quickly and indeed that can showcase at the national level how social enterprise can make a difference and government has got enormous strength in terms of its buying power Mm. so there is that sense of renewal this year in Victoria. While we are, you know, we might be seen as leaders, I see this is actually a year of renewal and mm. consolidation and setting up a new vision for the next ten years. Yeah. What's also important this year, and, and this is partly of what I am taking to the National Alliance of Social Enterprise Networks, is that we have a national campaign to improve the evidence framework so mm. that we've got consistent impact measurement. Uh, nationally. So we have metrics and methodology that will increase government business and investor confidence and improve understanding of the the value Mm. generated by social enterprise. And and I mentioned earlier data, that's a key element to that, that if we can create consistent approaches to valuing the impact that social enterprise make, that's a foundation really for success in terms of growing new markets, growing investment and wider support and recognition of the sector. Yeah, absolutely. Some great 
great insights there, Nick. And it'll be great to, to see some of those initiatives move forward and for us to get stronger measurement nationally. You know, we have seen previously some great work done there, primarily with Joe Barraquette and others in the space. Yep. So, yeah, great to see that work move forward now. So, climbing close to our end then, we've heard of some great initiatives so far, but what inspiring projects have you come across recently which you believe are creating some great positive social change? Uh, I love hearing about Moving Feast is a wonderful food system a project that has been driven by one of our founders and the CEO of Street, Beck Scott. Uh, she has brought a wonderful coalition with the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, Kinfolk, the Common Ground Project and the Melbourne Food Hub, mm. Fruit to Work. It's a wonderful alliance, even crossing the Whittlesea Food Collective, yeah. and it's providing meals to vulnerable communities who are isolated during the pandemic. That is an exciting project that is really showing the success of social enterprise to collaborate cross sectors and have different ways of thinking about food and the way that it's distributed and accessed. The social studio in Collingwood has been making scrubs for healthcare and it's their first major contract. They've pivoted in just the past month to respond Mm. to that need. I think they've produced over 160 sets of scrubs, you know, in in the last month. They have harnessed these sewers who were dispersed throughout Melbourne who... uh, and manufactured these these scrubs for healthcare and responding to that need. You know, it's it's fantastic response to the current bizarre time that we're in. Yeah. But they have harnessed that, they've identified that demand and responded quickly. And from what I understand, they're still keeping their toe in the local designer area, fast-tracking an online store that they had under development already. So they're really showing how nimble and innovative social enterprise can be. Yeah. And look, the last one I'll mention is The Torch. They run a program for Indigenous people who are in Victoria's prisons or recently released. Mm. The program connects them to culture and country and it trains them to create artistic work and experience financial independence through their art. Kent Morris from The Torch spoke at our first uh, networking drinks in February. They are due to have their annual three-week exhibition starting in May and they've had to flip that into a virtual gallery, which is really exciting and I hope that your listeners check it out. I'll make sure the details are available. (laughs) But it's these, I think it's the adapting to this current environment but still following through with, you know, the outcomes that they wanting to make and the impact which is just really impressive and is always inspiring yeah absolutely a few great projects there and i'll stick links through to them in the articles that our listeners can click on through so to finish off then nick what books would you recommend to our listeners yeah, who, who needs fiction in times like these, hey? That's all I can think of. But um, look, I have, it's been a while since I got to a bookstore, as it is for many, so I've been looking at, at old ones on the bookshelf. 2020 has been a year of immense trauma, really. We've collectively experienced seismic events this past year. The summer's bushfires made the imminent threat of climate change a visceral experience mm. for me and, and for my kids. And then to follow with apocalyptic virus that forces households into lockdown. Yeah. 2020, you know, it could be a year that, you know, we remember for generations. Yeah. So while I could recommend books to inspire and showcase new localism or environmental innovation, what's actually helped me keep balance is what I think was one of the best books of 2018. And it's Sarah 
Krasnerstein's The Trauma Cleaner. Mm. It's a very personal book about finding personal truth and deep healing and profound hope and love. Yeah. The Trauma Cleaner, it follows a very unique Australian character. It's a true story full of empathy and gratitude and resilience, so it's very much a a book for now, I think. Mm. Look, if I have to link it to social enterprise, (laughs) it's an extraordinary person who runs a very unique cleaning service. It's a story about an entrepreneurial spirit in this country and how our work not only feeds and shelters us, our best work helps others to realise their best selves Mm. and to enable us individually to resolve past traumas or pain and yeah. find resolution in the routines and personal connections we find at our work mm. and the value we give to others. Yeah. So it's a, it's a powerful story that I highly recommend. And I know it was a personal journey for the author, but I can't wait for Sarah's next work. Look, if I may, there's one other book I'd recommend. Please. Um, and this is for those who are homeschooling with young kids. I recommend <laughs> Marsha Langton's Welcome to Country. There's a kid's edition which we have on our shelf and we refer to a lot it's accessible and has rich information and there's a great conversation starter for your young ones and i think those kinds of conversations those big conversations are really important to have while you're at home because they'll help us regain balance once we emerge in the spring perhaps yeah (laughs) yeah that's a a great point to end on there nick so nick some wonderful insights in in today's episode so thanks so much for sharing your really generous insights and time and we'll look forward to tracking your journey with sendvik and and onwards projects uh, into the future thanks tom very kind and it's been great to be with you today thanks for listening to impact boom you'll find links to the initiatives people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.